Terrifying, episode 38 of Cox by 90. I am your host, Show me your TDs. Happy Friday, everybody. Hopefully that sandstorm got you fired up. I know it did for Elon Musk as he tweeted it out on Thursday morning that he thought it was a beautiful song. Little did he know it's a Gamecock rave anytime that thing plays. And I'm glad to have you all joining the rave, joining the podcast as we look back on National Signing Day Talk about the big win we had Wednesday night against those Gators. And then we look ahead. What's next? Spring practice. Big things on the horizon. Women's team dominating like always. If there's one thing that we can hang our hat on is Gamecocks. Truly hang our hat on. It's that we have the best women's basketball team in the nation. And we've done so for the past couple of years. I love that Don Staley continues to dominate the SEC, and it shows us what programs are capable of at the University of South Carolina when you have the right person in place, the right leadership around, that we can be the pinnacle of each sport in the SEC. With that being said, National Signing Day this past Wednesday was a doozy. Recruiting rankings regardless of what you think, didn't really matter on Wednesday when it comes to the Gamecocks based on the fact that almost half of our class were transfers, so those people wouldn't be counted for necessarily in a recruiting ranking class that you see on a 247 Sports or a Rivals, as there's no way to really track that. Now, I know a number of people, and and on Twitter there's a lot of good keyboard just fighters. They want to fight you on anything that you say, and I love it. But I do want to point out that, yes, we were not the only school in America to take transfers. That is a fact. But I will tell you this. Our class, compared to every other class, had more of a percentage of transfers versus high school and junior college recruits that we signed. Therefore, Yes, we did finish dead freaking last in the SEC, even behind Vanderbilt when it came to recruiting rankings. There is no hiding behind that number. Dead last. As Shane Beamer pointed out in his press conference on Wednesday, that was by design. We had holes to fill all across the board, not just one position, not just two positions, not just three positions. I mean, I feel like I sound like LeBron James when he joined the Heat, sitting here telling you not one, not two, not three, but it's the honest truth. We had a lot of holes to fill, and we couldn't just rely on high school prospects to come in and fill these big, gigantic holes. They're like South Carolina roadway holes. If you ever drive from Charleston To Columbia on 26, I mean, these are some gaping holes. And they will literally ruin your car and ruin your program if you don't get those things fixed ASAP. Sometimes you have to swerve out of the way, but then you come back into it. And that's kind of what we did. We had to swerve out of the way with high school prospects. And we looked to the transfer portal to get things fixed just a little bit quicker than normal. By all accounts... 
in reviewing all the transfers that we took, I thought that Shane Beamer and company did a pretty good job in addressing holes, addressing immediate positions of need. I look forward to going over some of those positions with you all. As we've got the full class inked in, there is one spot left, and we'll save that for our transfer after the spring practice concludes. There's also different ways with numbers. You're able to count them forward, backward, sideways. There's a number of different things you can do. So more help will be on the way. So don't think this is the dead set number of people that will be coming in this spring, this summer, and even this fall for that matter. So looking at the class as a whole, we signed 20 outstanding individuals. I say outstanding individuals because they wanted to join the University of South Carolina. Shane Beamer, an unproven coach, right? He hasn't coordinated anything. He's just an unproven guy, as a lot of people would say. Or some people would say, hey, I am looking at Beamer. I'm looking at the staff holistically and who he brought in, and I want to be a part of something special. So when I say some stand-up young men, they decided that South Carolina was the best place for them to get their education and perform on the field to their athletic abilities in Williams-Brice Stadium in front of 80,000 screaming cock fans. So you got to love it. Let's start with the most important position on the field. We have Colton Gauthier, who... From Georgia, was an early enrollee, our highest-ranked prospect out of them all, if you're looking at recruiting rankings. He can absolutely sling the rock. He's got a little swagger about him, and I like the pickup. I think he's a guy that will come in there and compete, and he'll make the quarterback room better. Very recently, and last week you were able to hear from him, we brought in Jason Brown, a transfer from St. Francis, threw for over 3,000 yards last year, 25-plus touchdowns, you name it, the guy can throw it. He also will bring depth, competition to the position. And if I'm looking at him and grading him straight from his body of work at St. Francis, and then just even before that, I would say that you would probably give him a high three-star, low four-star rating. He's a guy that will come in and compete. You know, I might be biased because he gave me an interview, but... The guy was a well-spoken young man. He's had nothing but great things to say about the program. I've talked to him a little bit since he's been able to get on campus, and he has had nothing but great things to say about the facilities, the coaching staff, and the people. So I just got to continue to believe that Beamer was the right hire and that he has put the right guys in place. Time will tell, but I think these are two great quarterbacks to come in and compete for the starting job, which... Right now, Luke Doty, hey, it's his job to lose. And he does look like he's beefed up a little bit in some of those Gamecock videos. But I think overall, we did what we needed to do with this quarterback signing class, get some guys in to compete, and also get a guy in there with a little bit of college-level experience in Jason Brown to bring that to the SEC and Williams-Brice Stadium. And hopefully, regardless of who we have behind center, I want to see him slinging the rock in that Satterfield offense. Running back, Juju McDowell. I tell you, he put up some great highlights in a state championship game. I want to say he took a kickoff return back for a touchdown. He had an outstanding performance. And as somebody 
that is going to help us overall with team speed. And I think just ultimately a good addition to the class. You got to have guys that can play special teams. You got to have team speed. He brings that to the table. Looking at the wide receiver position, can't catch a cold. We needed help real bad. Our wide receivers couldn't catch a cold in this 20-something degree weather we've been getting in. So I'm telling you, I like what we did. I really do. Sam Reynolds, an early enrollee out of Alabama, already on campus, Another well-spoken young man. I like the behind the scenes that they did with our recruits. I truly do. I thought that was incredible when they rolled that on National Signing Day. Having each one of them talk, he was a well-spoken young man. You could tell the excitement he had about the program. Has a big gleaming smile. And guess what? I want that to translate to the football field. So Sam Reynolds, welcome aboard. Omega Blake, out of South Point High School, Head coach Devontae Holloman committed to the Gamecocks many, many moons ago with Stephon Gilmore and helped start turning the program around. I believe Omega Blake has the opportunity to come in, compete, help with team speed, Pharaoh Cooper-esque, six foot one, and ultimately I expect him to make early impacts. I truly do. Two guys from the high school ranks joining us on the wide receiver core. Now, this is where, again, the recruiting rankings don't really tell you the whole story. Amarian Brown, a Georgia Tech transfer, tied for the freshman record with Calvin Johnson for receiving touchdowns, had over 700 yards in his tenure before he decided to take his talents to Columbia, South Carolina. Another well-spoken young man and is going to be an excellent addition to our offense. He will make immediate impacts year one. How do you judge that on the recruiting rankings, though? That guy's nowhere to be found. If you're ranking him right now, he's absolutely a four-star. And he's probably, if you're looking at like a 250, a rival's 250 or a 247, he's probably in that 200 to 250 range. In regards to athletic ability, I would say that's where he would fall. But you can't measure that right now in recruiting rankings. Excellent addition Love that we hit the transfer portal hard early on, and he was one of our first guys to jump into the fold. Last but not least, at the wide receiver position, another guy that was on a CB90 interview last week, well-spoken young man. I say young man, but the guy's 6'8", a true 6'8", and that's EJ Jenkins. Jason Brown's favorite target from St. Francis brings some four or five speed. He brings height. He brings mismatches. I love it. I absolutely love it. And you know, when I asked Jason Brown, EJ, what was their favorite play that they had? He loves the goal line fade. And that's what we need more of. Get him out there on an island against one of these SEC corners and you're throwing it to a 6'8 guy. I watched Jason's reps recently that he put on Instagram The guy throwing to those targets, and if you've seen it before as a quarterback, you've got like a netting and you give a little target to throw into. He was throwing some excellent fades. That's what we need. We need some more Eric Kimry fades on this team, and I think he'll do an excellent job out there at wide receiver. And another guy I expect to make an early, immediate impact on this offense at a position of need. If I am ranking 
EJ Jenkins, he's a four-star. Nowhere in the recruiting rankings can you have that. Again, I'm not trying to make excuses for Shane Beamer in regards to the rankings, right? It stings to be 14th in the SEC. It stings to be behind Vanderbilt. I think the last I saw, we were right next to Arizona, who got beat by their rival by 70 points. It stings. But I'm trying to help smooth over that sting with just a little gel. Offensive line, the big uglies. We brought in two quality maulers, guys that are going to sit there and take up space but also have the flexibility to get to the second level and I think good overall developmental guys. Jordan Davis, out of Georgia, Six foot five, have him as an offensive tackle. I see that's where he projects at this level. You know, offensive linemen, you will hear any coach always tell you one of the toughest positions to project because the fact in high school, you can get away with being big and you can get away with being a little bit stronger than everybody else. But in the SEC, when you're going against number one overall picks, first round talent along the defensive line, the best of the best. You have to have versatility. You have to be able to get to the second level. And those are things that you really don't see in a high school offensive lineman's film. The other guy we signed, John Darius Morgan out of Alabama, a state that I told you all we'd get four to five guys from. And by my counts, I think we did end up with four to five guys. He's six foot three. He's just a mauler. He's going to get there. He's going to rub your face in the dirt. He's going to look at you, he's going to spit in your face, and then he's going to rub it in the dirt. He's a mauler, and I like it. So, concluding on the offensive side of the ball, between high school prospects and transfers, we brought in nine guys on that side of the ball. Nine individuals who hopefully will help Marcus Satterfield and our offense do a lot better than we did under Bobo the Clown's offense this past year. Looking to the defensive side of the ball, starting out with the defensive line in the trenches, we've got my favorite prospect. I've been on many roundtables with Cockfather and Mr. Blonde. I've said it here myself. Nicholas Barrett is probably the most underrated prospect we've had come to South Carolina in a long time. This guy is a space eater. He is going to do some outstanding things, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does it year one. Coming from Goldsboro, North Carolina, a pipeline that we need to continue to build because North Carolina is a state that you want to be your friend. You've got a friend in me, and that's what North Carolina needs to be. One of my second favorite pickups of the class Inked on Wednesday, T.J. Sanders out of Marion, South Carolina. You want to close the borders to your state, and you want to bring them to Columbia, South Carolina, and that's what we did with T.J. Sanders. I'm going to use an old Willius Muschamp quote. We need guys to be multiple. Well, guess what? T.J. Sanders is one of those multiple guys. He can play inside. He can play outside. He's a versatile guy, a multiple guy. And you're probably cringing with me telling you and using that verbiage, but guess what? He's the type of guy you get into your system 
and you can mold them and develop them. And these guys along the defensive line, especially in a Clayton White system where it could be 3-4-4-3, he's an absolute perfect piece along that line of scrimmage. Happy that he chose to pick the Gamecocks. He's going to stay in state and represent his state school. Thank you, TJ Sanders, for joining the Gamecocks. And we look forward to you having a long, great career at the University of South Carolina. Last but not least, along the defensive line, a guy that we wanted two years ago, our admissions department said, no, 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 you can't come here. And unfortunately, Jakeem Green took his talents to Nebraska. The black shirt defense. Nebraska. He had a career out there, but another space eater, another guy with a lot of talent to tap into. A transfer that I know, and again, I've heard many people say it, Big Spur, Gamecock Central, him coming out of junior college, four-star prospect. You're not, you're not getting that in the recruiting rankings because, again, these transfers aren't ranked, but that, that would have been a four-star defensive lineman pickup that we added to the class with three years to play. So, Nicholas Barrett, TJ Sanders, Jakeem Green, you added some girth, you added some strength, and you added some space eaters along that defensive line. you got to love it. Linebacker, a position that we needed to make an impact on. I'd like to think we did. First up, Daryl Williams out of Delaware. He was referred by Marshawn Lloyd, and anybody referred by Marshawn Lloyd is good on my end. I don't think Marshawn Lloyd's going to tell us, go get somebody that's bad, because Marshawn Lloyd knows we got to win, and we got to win soon. I like the pickup, and I like that it probably secures that Marshawn Lloyd's not going anywhere, at least anytime soon. Next pickup, Jordan Strawn, transfer from Georgia State, tied for the lead in the nation in sacks last year, 10 and a half. You can't quantify that on recruiting rankings, but we bring in a guy that knows how to get to the quarterback. Sometimes I think the biggest issue with some of the defensive ends that we bring in, or outside linebackers for that matter, they just don't know how to get to the quarterback. They don't have a knack for finding the ball. This guy has a developmental frame, still has opportunities to put weight on, but he can get to the quarterback, and you have to love that, especially at a South Carolina team where we need to continue to disrupt the pass. He can come in and do it. Absolutely can come in and do it. Excellent pickup. Colby Fields out of Louisiana. This guy has got a little sauce to him. He is saucy. I like it. I watched a couple videos of his on Wednesday talking about his commitment, talking about his background. Give me a Louisiana pipeline. I love it. Bring some hot sauce with you. Because I'm telling you, this Colby Fields guy, I truly believe, can come in and be on the two deep next year. Just by the way he moves the film, a lot of good sideline to sideline movement, aggressive headhunter, Something that you need to see in the SEC. And being out of Louisiana, I bet you Colby Fields has got something to prove. Might have a little chip on his shoulder, if you'd like to say it like that. But, nevertheless, 
I think we got a good one. I really do. And last but not least, Tavarian Scott, Hollywood, as Shane Beamer would like to say, got him out of Dodge City, Kansas, where they're just playing football out there. There is nothing else to do except play foosball with your friends. Six foot three linebacker, again, another good sideline to sideline guy. Absolutely like what I saw out of his film. And I think overall, four quality linebackers that can make an impact year one. And finally, on the defensive side of the ball, we have to bring in some support in that defensive backfield. And I think we did. I think that's probably another position we're going to look to address with our last remaining scholarship and also some of the ones that we can count forward to 2022. But starting it off, we got David Spaulding, a transfer from Georgia Southern, long lean frame, a developmental type player, four years to play left. So there's opportunities to get him into the system, coach him up. I mean, we got one of the best DB coaches in the nation and Torian Gray. No doubt in my mind, you give him some size, you give him some speed, he'll coach you up. You got Marcellus Dial, and if I butchered that first name, I'm sorry. But out of Georgia military, him and Isaiah Norris, both coming in, 5'11 and 6'2", respectively. Guys that I think, coming out of junior college, have played you know, the next step above high school. They know what it's like. Not SEC speed, not on that SEC level, but guys that can come in and potentially make an impact year one. You're relying heavily on Torian Gray to get his hands on those guys and develop them. Last but not least, I like this pickup. I really do. Ladarian Craig, six foot two, 175 safety, a guy that was late to qualify. And ultimately, and I've heard Craig Simmons say it, a number of national recruiting analysts have said this might be one of our best pickups in regards to late signees because he just made all A's, I think it was this past fall, that allowed him to be eligible to potentially play this coming fall. He was on track to be one of the prep guys, junior college guys, but we got in, we fended off Auburn, Alabama guy, Auburn in his backyard, fended him off. So overall, adding four on the defensive back. Four for the linebackers, three on the defensive line. That's 11 total prospects there, so nine on offense. We signed 20 total guys, football guys. And you got to love it. You got to love the body of work Shane Beamer and company did in addressing needs, getting them from different places, right? High school, junior college, transfer portal. I think he did an excellent job of mixing up all around. And it's only a matter of time until we see them, some in spring practice, and then others this coming fall on the football field. Looking here next, Wednesday, signing day, it wasn't just about the recruits. There was some coaching news that came out. Montario Hardesty, out of New Bern, North Carolina, Former Tennessee volunteer, all-SEC performer, 
current coach, or should I say former coach at the University of Charlotte with Will Healy, who is a great up-and-coming coach and has, again, developed some great staff members up there, is set to become the new running backs coach at South Carolina, and he'll take on Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd, a dynamic running back duo that I would put up against any running back duo, not only in the SEC, but in the entire country. You get a guy in Hardesty who has had success on the SEC level. So not only has he had success at the highest level in the SEC in college, but he's had success in the pros. He played for the Browns, was a second-round pick. You got to love what you get in this hire. You get another young guy with a chip on his shoulder. A guy that wants to prove himself in the coaching ranks. He'll command respect in the running back room simply based on the body of work. And that's what I like. You'll get respect as a coach based on teaching and leading young men. But when Marshawn Lloyd and a Kevin Harris see an all-SEC running back stepping into our facility, a second-round NFL draft pick who's going to tell you what it takes to get to the league, which ultimately that's what everybody wants, right? That's how you're going to get paid. He is going to tell our guys what they need to do to get there. And guess what? When you have somebody that's been there and has walked the walk and talked the talk, sometimes you listen just a little bit more. I love the pickup. I do. Hopefully we don't see any more attrition from the staff. I can only imagine what Shane Beamer's been through. He's been put through the ringer. Bobo and his friend left for Auburn. Tracy Rocker, he's probably on the move again. I don't know where that guy's going to end up. He's, you know, Auburn, Philadelphia Eagles. Could be UT San Antonio Roadrunners next. I don't know. But I'll tell you this, I like the guys that we got. And, you know, I hated losing Des Kitchens, no doubt about it. But at the same time, you can't fault a guy for taking an NFL job in his backyard with a chance to advance his career. I appreciate, and again, from all indications from what I've read, he handled it the right way. Was very transparent with Beamer about what was going on, about the interview process. And I don't doubt that Des Kitchings left in a good spot, and he'll have nothing but great things to say about his time at South Carolina. Because it's Columbia. It's the city of dreams. It's where everybody wants to be. Speaking of where everybody wants to be, our men's basketball team pulled off an upset of the ages Wednesday night, going down to Gainesville and knocking off the number 22 Florida Gators. What a cardiac Cox win. I went on Instagram Live, I think, for the last 50 seconds. It felt like I was on it for five years. The cardiac cocks had me gripping my chest as we banked one-and-one free throws off the rim, giving them some hope. But we slammed the door on that hope just like a Keyshawn Bryant dunk. And we got our biggest win, I'd say probably since last year against Auburn when they were number 16. And I think, shoot what, Kentucky... At home, they were number 10. It's our biggest win in over a year. That being said, we've got a lot of work to do. Because while this team can go on the road and beat the Florida Gators, a nationally ranked team, 
one of the hottest teams in the nation. They can also go on the road to Vanderbilt, spend a great time in Nashville getting their butt whipped, and it's just, oh, it's such a frustrating feeling. You watch Jerry Stackhouse. He hasn't won an SEC game, and somehow, some way, Vanderbilt's last two SEC wins have came against the Gamecocks. And you're saying last two wins? What do you mean? What do you mean, Shawmy? I will tell you what I mean. Last year, our team finished, our last game we played, our last taste of basketball was a loss to Vanderbilt, which put us at 10-8 and eight in the SEC last year. And 18 and 13 overall, which is a respectable record. I also think the SEC is starting to gain a lot more respect nationally, winning that Big Ten challenge. I think it's important to understand that we have to continue our development and growth as a program, as it relates to basketball. And what I mean by that is the SEC is starting to be looked at as a perennial basketball conference up there with the ACC up there with some of the other big time conferences and I think it's important for the Gamecocks to capitalize on this you get a big win at Florida a big momentum win at Florida now you're playing your next three games at home you've got Mississippi State coming up Saturday you've got Bama on Tuesday which I will be in attendance if you all plan to be there Tuesday night let me know Shoot me a message. I'll bring a bunch of CB90 koozies. Probably go up to 1801 Grill beforehand, and we will have a ball of a time because I expect us to win that game, and then we'll probably go to nightcaps afterwards. We'll have a couple of alcoholic beverages, and we'll celebrate that win because I expect the Gamecocks to not only beat Mississippi State this Saturday, not only beat Alabama next Tuesday at home, but we've got Ole Miss at home the following Saturday. Three straight home games. I expect three straight Cox wins, which at this time would get us to eight and six and six and four if we were able to pull off three straight wins. And that would be four straight overall and give us a lot of momentum heading to a road game against Tennessee. But I'm not going to get too far down the road because we are what we are right now. We're five and six. We're three and four in the SEC. I do want to point out some of the six losses that we've had. Because I think it's only fair. Because there's a lot of people out there that are writing stories about who's going to be Frank Martin's replacement. This, that, one or the other. Hey, let's just call the facts the facts. The fact of the matter is a loss to Vanderbilt should never happen. Especially with a basketball team as talented as ours and just as depleted as theirs. But looking at our six overall losses. Lost to Houston, the number five team in the nation. Although they just got upset by East Carolina, they're a top two seed in the NCAA tournament. Mizzou, number 17, really never had a chance against them. We got boat raced out of the gym. LSU, a cuss top 25 team. We should have won that game, no doubt about it. Fortunate that we lost some gas. But, again, another tough loss on the road. Auburn, we ran into an absolute buzzsaw. Sharif Cooper is just one of those Ja Morant type guys right now. He is making plays all over the field, whether it be assist, rebounds, points. He's got it all. We ran into a buzzsaw. Vandy, inexcusable. And I think it's only fair that I give an update about the Liberty Frames. They are 13-5 and right now. They've won six out of their last seven. And they're looking pretty good. 
So we've lost to a lot of quality basketball teams. Now, do you think and do I think if we had a lot more time to gel as a team without all the COVID BS that's going on and the stoppages of practices, do we win a couple of those games? Yes, I think we do. Do I think we win all of them? No. But I think we probably cut those losses in half, and I think we're sitting at 8-3 and three right now, and I think we're probably looking at about a 5-2 and two in the SEC. But if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a merrier Christmas. So I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm going to tell you what we got to do. We got to win these next three home games. They're winnable games. Alabama, it's going to be a tough one, but we can compete with anybody. Anybody. So I expect us to do that. And what I expect us to do is get to eight and six, six and four in the conference. The Gamecock cheers will be heard all around the state as the momentum builds up into Knoxville and the hillbillies. Just a little foreshadowing right there, but I expect it to happen. Our women's basketball team just continues to impress me. They've ascended to number one in the coaches' poll. They have a huge showdown with UConn next week. I expect Don Staley's Lady Gamecocks to come out firing, and I'm predicting a big old win against UConn next week. Whew! This has been one fun episode. I guess I, I'm excited about the future. I think we did address a ton of needs. I like the coaching pickup in Montario Hardesty, the basketball coming off a big win. I am oozing garnet and black out of me right now. I've got my garnet glasses on. The sun is shining and the birds are chirping. Mm. I hope everybody's Friday is going well. I'm recording this on Thursday, but I just want everybody to have a great Friday. I want you all to have an absolutely outstanding weekend. I want you to bundle up and get warm because the Gamecocks are going to make you warm and fuzzy on Saturday. And then you got Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to go ahead again. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers have nothing to do with Gamecocks. But I like to put predictions out because that's what I do. I'm probably going to bet on the game. I'm going to bet on the coin toss. I'll probably take Rob Gronkowski's catches over yards, Tom Brady over yards. I will, I will probably bet it all. But one thing that I do know will happen, and it's happened all playoffs, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hills over catches and over yards has hit both times, and I am guaranteeing you it's going to happen again. I expect Kansas City to come out firing, and I'm thinking a shootout. I really am thinking a shootout. I've got Kansas City winning 35-30, to 30, covering the spread, and having back-to-back Super Bowl champions going back to the Chiefs. If you all have not followed me on social media, please do. Twitter at Cox underscore by underscore 90. Instagram at Cox underscore by underscore 90. I also, last week, released the Cox by 90 website, www.coxby90.com. You can get all of your favorite CB90 gear at one-stop shop. And I think you all are going to love it. There's some new CB90 hats I have on there, and there's some more stuff on the way. Long sleeve CB90's t-shirts are out. You're going to love it. They're super soft. They make you feel all warm and fuzzy. So go on there. Enjoy yourself some. We got a garnet CB90 shirt we've newly released, so have some fun. 
Get some CB90 gear because we're going to be winning and you'll be proud to be repping that garnet in black and the garnet in white. And as you know, it's Cox by 90 all day, every day. That's our mindset. Cox by 90. Cox by 90. That's how we move forward with our days. That's how we move forward with our months. And that's how we move forward with our years. We are cautiously optimistic, but we know every single time we walk in the stadium or into the arena, it's Cox by 90, baby. Thank you all for listening to this episode. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, a wonderful week. And let's shake this place!